Recently, For the Glory KC has connected with a new additional resource for exciting photographs capturing the world of Kansas City soccer, 7-1 Magazine. Photographer Kevin Firstall takes a different approach than most, using similar lenses and equipment that created iconic photos featuring some of the biggest moments in soccer history. Timeless depth, color, and emotion. Analog methods capturing modern soccer. Go give Kevin a follow on Instagram at 71mag or at 71mag.com. That's 71mag at S E V E N O N E M A G. back just like i said we'd be back this is for the glory kc where we bring a mix of in-depth kansas city soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective i'm chad smith associate editor at kcsoccerjournal.com who's going to take you a little bit more in depth and i'm joined as always by my wife superstar sheena smith who gives us that more casual perspective sheena did you get that reference this week i didn't because i didn't think i was getting a name since sporting lost atrociously tonight well they drew against lafc so I'm giving you a nickname for that because I think that was a really good result. And it's kind of a sad note. Superstar Billy Graham, if y'all are wrestling fans at all, he passed away the other day. So we're we're giving um, a little honor to him by throwing that nickname okay. your way. Actually, I think you're the one that told me he passed away because <laughs> you're such a big wrestling aficionado. I did. I think I was thinking he was someone else. Oh, okay. Well, if you don't know him, go look him up. He's very interesting. He's a he's a guy that like if you know Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, there's a lot of inspiration for those guys from Superstar Billy Graham. Cool guy. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about that aforementioned crushing that happened from St. Louis City. Did I yell it? City uh, on the road and uh, both by the team, uh, the referee, and I think the schedule makers. Let me start making excuses now. We'll talk about that draw against LAFC earlier in the week. And we got a couple KC current games, both against Racing Louisville that didn't turn out so well. Of course, the digital crawl as well. But before I get into the show today, Sheena, a couple things I want to talk about. First off, we have some awesome listeners, Austin and Kayla McDonald, that gave us some tickets that we are going to give away way to listeners of the show. So it's tickets for the FC Dallas game on Wednesday, May 31st. So it's coming right up here. It's like, I don't know, 10 days or so from when we're recording this podcast. We're recording right after the St. Louis game. We're so fired up about it. We figured we'd just talk <laughs> about it right now. And <laughs> we will uh, give those away. We think we're going to give it away on our Twitter. So go follow us on Twitter at For the Glory KC. Go follow us on Instagram. I'll make sure to cross post it over there so that we can draw some attention to it. But really awesome from Austin it's- and Kayla. Yeah, it's really awesome. I just love this little sporting community that's been built and people are just so friendly and so nice. And it's just so sweet that they gave us the tickets to give to one of you guys or gals. Yes, exactly. I'm I'm excited and I think that's pretty cool. And yeah, it's it the kindness that comes out of people is really awesome. Like obviously there's some negative stuff with doing a podcast or writing articles or whatever you encounter some folks. Uh, I I muted a record number of St. Louis followers tonight on Twitter. I don't block them cuz it gives them too much satisfaction to be able to see that I've blocked them. So instead I just mute them. So I don't know what nasty stuff they're tweeting at me and if they turn around and start tweeting nice things at me, sadly I'll never see it cuz they started our relationship by being jerks. <laughs> so, all well, right, should we get to the game, Chad, Sheena? 
Hold on. I just got to tell everyone the one comment that really got me was that somebody said you look like a librarian and that they wanted you to teach them the Dewey Decimal System. And that just oh, you're, really... You're cleaning up their comment. It I am cleaning It was much more up. vile pretty, than that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the part that really got me, not the super rude part. So yeah, you look like a librarian and, and that you would know the Dewey Decimal System. Gosh, if I only knew the Dewey Decimal System, I don't remember <laughs> it at all. Like, oh, that's all so right. bad. Uh, how do we look up books now? You just like do it on a computer, right? I don't, I don't yeah. remember Dewey Decimal. You just Decimal. put in the author. Type in the title. The yeah, authors, yeah. For sure. All right. Let's talk soccer. People aren't here to listen to us talk nonsense, but want to get that shout out there to Austin and Kayla to start the show. Sporting Kansas City went on the road for the fifth game in 14 days to face St. Louis City SC on primetime. Well, I don't know if primetime is the right word. It was on at night. FS1 had the game as well as Apple. We watched the FS1 broadcast, so that may color our perception of things in terms of what replays we saw and whatnot. The game was called by Nate Bikati and Tioni Miola, but I thought they did a good job of not being biased because if I was Nate, I'd have been losing it I, as I was oh, losing it on sure. Twitter during the game. We were both kind of losing our minds. So four nothing and final scoreline. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I can't. So much yelling at the television because you know that affects <laughs> the game. If you don't yell at the TV, how will the ref know that I'm dissatisfied with his officiating? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So where do you want to start on this game? Oh my gosh, I don't even know it. I okay. I want to start just kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying about the St. Louis fans. They were pretty rude on Twitter this week. Um, I run our for the glory KC. I only got a couple comments and uh, a few of them. I didn't even know what they were talking about. I guess because I'm so casual, they're dig like went over my head um so <laughs> that's fine but I was seeing like when I was kind of scrolling the things they were saying to other people it's one thing to attack like sporting the play on City. the field yeah yeah but to attack like personal accounts and like the comment about what they said about you like they don't even know you and they're just basing it off of one little picture they saw of you on Twitter I, I just said I don't know this is the part of Twitter and I'm new to Twitter I would say. So I don't get the negativity. I don't understand what it accomplishes. So I was already like not very keen on their fans. And I'm sure it's a minority that are doing this and like get an effing life. I'm sorry, you might have to censor me today. But like, <laughs> get a life if, if you're spending your time going through and finding every sporting Kansas City tweet to say something negative, like you need a life. So I wasn't already like impressed with how their fans were. And granted, I'm sure sporting has a minority of fans who are doing the exact same thing. Yeah, probably. And no Almost offense certainly. to those people, get a life. Like there's more to life than tweeting negative things to people. I don't get it. But yeah, so that's kind of where my head was at going into the game. And then people were seeing not so nice stuff during the game. Um, thankfully, again, I only got a couple and I had to ask Chad what a wooden spoon was because again, I'm a very casual fan. So his dig like again went over oh, my head it it didn't go over your head because he called it a golden spoon remember he goes oh. all sporting's gonna win the golden spoon and i was like yeah no i think it's just made of wood when you get last place but hey 
Yeah. Sporting still not in last place. The LA Galaxy remain behind them. So that's a plus, and I guess. A golden spoon sounds pretty fancy. Like if they're giving out spoons made of gold, fine. Yeah, I think I think gold's worth quite a bit of money. <laughs> you should probably like melt that thing down and sell it, yeah. right? All right, yeah. let's talk so, about actual soccer. Yeah. Let's, let's move no, on. No, I know. Okay. So, so oh, I go Do you want to go first? Go, go, talk soccer. Well, so I feel like one thing that should be said is there's a lot of built-in excuses for this game. And I know that probably all the podcasts and all the writers are going to probably talk about some of those excuses. I think the biggest one for me was the officiating. And I hate being that person who goes to officiating. But there was so many bad call. So many fouls. I think Chad, you said there was 18 fouls total against St. Louis. Well, they yeah, were called. They were called. That were called and only one yellow. And that just really blew my mind. And St. Louis fans, of course, were like, oh, you guys are just losing and that's why you're blaming the officiating. But if the tables were turned, and I said this on Twitter, if the tables were turned and Sporting had 18 fouls and only one yellow, of course, St. Louis fans would be upset. Like, I feel like it's fair when there's that many fouls, there should be yellows being given. So the officiating was like, for me, it I, it was almost unwatchable, especially in that first half, because so many calls weren't getting called. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm a known official complainer. I like to complain about officiating. I think when an official does a good job, I like to give them credit. Like sometimes people shout conspiracies and all these wild thoughts about referees. And I, I tend to just think more it's like incompetence than it is a, a vast conspiracy. Hopefully it's just that. Uh, but for me, it's the inconsistency that drives me nuts because there were fouls that were not called against sporting like when they were fouled by the St. Louis players. And then those same plays would be called against the sporting players when they committed like similar or in some cases, I think lighter offenses like Gotti Kenda was the first player to go in the book, but he had been cleaned out really early in the game. Actually, if you go to KCSoccerJournal.com, the the image that we used in the recap of the game is I think the guy's name Celio going into his foot. Like he's sliding, he's on the ground, he's missing the ball and he cleans out Gotti Kenda. Like that's a yellow all day, every day. And then Kenda gets a yellow later for, you know, he comes in late. He like bangs into this guy's leg, but I don't know. It's just inconsistent and the inconsistency will drive me nuts. So, so let's kind of start there because on the, the first goal, Remy Voltaire is coming up the midfield and he gets kind of smashed into. And then they don't, I didn't really see a replay of the collision, but it looked like a foul. Like they may have gotten the ball, but they crashed into Remy in the process and sent him clattering to the ground. And then moments later, they're in the box and the most nothing play gets called as a penalty kick on Nemanja Radoya. I did get to talk to Peter Vermees after the game and he said, you know, it's not a penalty. It's not a penalty. And I, and I agree. He gets the ball. He gets all ball. And then maybe he trails and lightly brushes the guy's leg. All ball. Did that make you laugh? That's yeah, an expression in soccer. It's an expression. Okay. <laughs> all ball. It's all ball. Um, you guys, I'm real immature just to put it out there. <laughs> yeah. If I say ball or poop, you know, that'll get Sheena laughing every time. Oh, so <laughs> anyways, and then they, you know, they call a penalty. They seem to have reviewed it. Uh, what's interesting is they, they kind of showed a couple replays on FS1 and Penso is like, Chris Penso was the referee. He's telling the sporting players to get away from him. Like Rodoya's wagging his finger at him. Like, that's not a penalty. I can't believe you gave that. They reviewed it, but they never call him over the monitor. So they're saying, hey, I don't think this is should be overturned. So he never has to come look at it. And they score. And that will be forever. The first goal scored in this. I think, I don't know if we can call it a rivalry because sporting got trounced so bad, but it was a, there's a lot of bitterness and hostility. So it's, it's building towards a rivalry for sure. 
I would say it's already a rivalry. MLS wants it to be one. They've set the tone for it to be one. St. Louis wants it to be one. Kansas City wants it to be one. So even if it's, I don't know, it's not an organic rivalry, I guess. But it, I mean, it's, it's organic in that it's geographically close, right? There's no team that's yeah. even remotely as close together as these teams. Now, I think they also kind of want St. Louis to have a rivalry with Chicago because they played Chicago during rivalry week as well. Uh, and they lost to Chicago twice during rivalry week, both in the good. US Open Cup and in MLS play. So that was good, except for then it stinks that sporting lost. To, to kind of put an asterisk on thing, I said the schedule makers were out to get sporting. Sporting played on the road in LA on Wednesday and St. Louis didn't play midweek, which I just just think, gosh, it's, I don't want to be a conspiracy person, but and a lot of people were putting this in my head online that MLS wants their new shiny toy to win. They want their expansion team to do well. So they have their new stadium and they're hosting the first game and they don't have to play a game midweek and sporting does. Now, could Peter Vermees had made different decisions and maybe not started so many of the same players? He did make three changes, which isn't nothing for him, but he put on guys like Leibold who were coming off injury. So they couldn't play the whole game and Zussi who's coming off injury. So he didn't play the whole game. It, and Kendo, who's coming off injury, so he didn't play the whole game. It, it, I don't know if I want to put too much on him, but I, I wrote in, in my preview article of the match that I thought maybe Russell shouldn't start and maybe Polito shouldn't start. Let these young guys go out there, Johnny, Safrifa, wear out St. Louis a little bit, and then let your veterans come on late. Because they didn't have anything left late when they needed a goal. They, they yeah. couldn't get things together. I agree with that. That was one of the things I was saying during the game is that I wish Peter Vermees had played LAFC a little bit differently. And it's a tough position to put him in because LAFC is a good team as well. And yeah, the scheduling gods, as you're calling them, they did have us playing Seattle, LAFC, and then St. Louis. Those are three tough teams. And well, they didn't know that going into the season. Obviously, well, probably knew Seattle and LA would be good, but everybody thought yeah. St. Louis would be terrible. I'm more just the congestion of the schedule more than anything else. I think someone said St. Louis only played three in 14 and, and Sporting played five games in 14. So that's tough. And Peter, that he brings it on himself a little bit because he doesn't rotate his squads as much, although he did do yeah. one game against Houston, the Dynamo, when they got eliminated from the Open Cup, where he fully basically rotated his squad. He had uh, 10 of 11 players changed from the prior weekend's win at Seattle. Yeah, I just think he could have done LAFC a little bit differently. And so I think it did hurt us. And it again, it's a tough spot to put him in to figure out like which of these games is more important because every point matters, but it, it's tough. So you mentioned LAFC and we won't completely talk about that game right now. We'll get to that in a bit. But did you see online, Sheena, where Denny Buanga, the, the MLS golden boot leader, he's got 10 goals. He scored against Sporting. It was the only goal in that game. Uh, he uh. said that Sporting KC was the best team LAFC have played all year. mm -hmm. I did see that. And I think, you know, people are immediately saying that sporting's bad again. I think that the the sporting team we've seen the last three games outside of tonight's game against St. Louis, I think that's who they are starting to gravitate more towards. They just didn't show up tonight. I mean, they nobody on the team looked good. You saw a lot of exhausted players like Remy played awful. I said it was his worst game of the season. Rosero was Rosero was oh, gassed, he was gassed. But, yeah, yeah he was so by tired. the end of Fontes the game. Fontes was outrunning him, which I think says yeah. something. 
Fontes had that play where he ran down Nicholas Giacchini, and I was like, wow, is Giacchini slow? Like, Fontes just <laughs> caught him. Like, now Rosero's kind of like chipping at him and trying to slow him down, so that helps. I don't think he would have got to him otherwise, but I was like, man, how tired is Rosero that Fontes is getting there? And again, that's a little bit on Peter, right? Putting these tired guys out there because the two late goals were basically counterattack, mistakes. I mean, Fontes had some bad passes in like one of the goals specifically. I can remember him giving it away and then they just turn and go and score. But I want to talk about the second goal. You want to talk about that second goal? The one where the the scissor tackle happens right before. Oh, yeah. Scissor me, daddy. Oh, that's a wrestling reference. I know. uh, Don't. For everybody that's like, wow, Sheena's being wildly inappropriate tonight. Uh, no, it's a, it's an AEW, the acclaimed uh, daddy ass. If you all remember Billy Gunn from the WWE, he's still wrestling. He's like, in his I hate that I know these things. I really hate that. I can... <laughs> And you brought it up. So I know. So the tackle comes in. Actually, speaking of, it was your boy Remy that got. I think, was it? No, no, it was Kenda on that tackle because Remy was fouled but not called on the first goal. Then Kenda gets scissor tackled on the second one. Now the guy gets the ball, but then he comes through the player afterwards. So it's this gray area. Like usually that's called a foul almost always because you can't clean out or potentially hurt a guy just because you, oh, I, I hit the ball before I crushed you and and smashed you to the ground. Now, then they, they a couple, what is it, a pass or two later, they get into the box and it's Indiana Vasilev and he kind of makes Zussi look bad and he really made McIntosh look bad because he put the ball under Kendall McIntosh and I, I think he has to do better there. It reminded me of the goal that he gave up against LAFC, but he had a perfect look at it. There's no reason he shouldn't have been able to see it versus he was screened a little bit in the LAFC game. And Tony Miola, a goalkeeper who was calling the match, was talking about how McIntosh was leaving his feet unnecessarily. He's like throwing his feet to the side to like get down. And he's not wrong that if he just kind of like squats down, what we always teach the girls when I would coach soccer was knees and knuckles. Drop to your knees and put your knuckles on the ground so the ball can't go under you, or at least one knee. And if he'd have done that, I think he he saves it probably. So not not great from him on that but then i just put an asterisk on it because if you're fouled in the what's called the attacking phase of play that leads to the goal you're supposed to be able to review that and overturn it and they kick that ball off immediately there if, if they reviewed it they didn't look at it for more than a, a second or two yeah it it was unfortunate i think it was the second goal mcintosh could have saved it 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 was just a series of unfortunate events which is how i would call this whole game just one event after another that was unfortunate and even though you know fouls weren't called yellow cards weren't issued even if they had been it would have changed the game a little bit i still don't think sporting would have won but you just i You never know, right? Because it's like a domino thing, right? One thing happens and then things cascade from there. Because if you think about it, late in the game, those late goals are happening because they're trying so hard to get up the field. They're way too far up the field. They're not playing the same defense you'd play if you weren't losing one or two to nothing, right? You you play the game differently based on the scoreline. So I do think it has an effect. But at the same time, I do think St. Louis outplayed Kansas City. I don't know if there's much of a way around that. You can't really argue it too much. Even They executed their chances when Kansas City didn't execute theirs because they had some. Johnny's had a shot from like three yards out. Now, I want to go back to, we were saying how there wasn't a, a yellow or a foul or anything given on the the second goal that led, the, the challenge that led to the goal. Later in the game, Sheena, do you remember when Daniel Shallowy did a very similar thing and he was and he given a yellow, yellow card yeah. and I think it was Tommy or somebody was coming up behind him and was going to take the ball and be in all alone with the goalkeeper. But nope, there's the ref blowing the whistle. Now, I do think, Shallowy's challenge was a little 
more clumsy. Like he got a little bit more of the man, but he got the ball first. So it's like, be consistent. If you're going to call it one way, call it that way the whole game. And then to not call it that way, it just, it, I know it's ridiculous, but it feels like they're out to get you a little bit, right? Whenever they call it one way and they don't call it the other. So it definitely does. And that's my problem with sports is when the, the refs aren't consistent with their calls because it felt very one-sided. And at halftime, I Googled to see if there was like this ref had any kind of St. Louis connection. And like, I hate to be that conspiracy person, but I, it just, something feels off about it. And I'm not trying to say like anything that this was like given to St. Louis because St. Louis earned the win Saint, uh, Sporting Kansas City did have chances in the box and we couldn't capitalize. The, their goalie was a lights out tonight. So we deserve to lose. It's just frustrating that there was these other factors. Like I would rather be talking about like in previous games when Sporting was playing like garbage, talking about how every player was playing like garbage. But there's this outside factor of the fact the ref wasn't calling things when he should have. So I don't know. I think that was the most frustrating aspect of the game for me. I'm fine with the fact that sporting lost. It's just that like, it, it felt unfair. Yeah, I, I don't know if fine is the word I would use because I'm always upset when they lose. Well, I'm, I'm, upset. To I'm saying or, fine loosely. I mean, I, I'm you upset. can accept it. You accept it, right? Yeah. Think too, you're saying missed chances. Uh, Johnny Russell, do you remember that? Like, I don't know what point of the game it was. It was definitely in the second half where he's like dribbling in the box and he like, it's just like hesitation, hesitation, doesn't get the shot off. And then St. Louis comes and steals it. And I'm like, how did he not even shoot right there? Like he didn't even make Roman Berkey make a save. That said, to your point earlier, Berkey was so good. So good. They said he is the third ranked goalkeeper in terms of shot stopping or no, not shot stopping. I'm sorry. It was like goals allowed versus expected goals allowed. And then I think a huge portion of it is his shot stopping ability. And that showed he's the highest paid goalkeeper in the league. Used to play for Borussia Dortmund in Germany, which is pretty consistently the second best German football team. And he was so good. That shot he saved against Janis, that should have been a surefire goal. There was one in the first half. I'm drawing a blank on who had it. They were in the box. And it's like, how did they not score the goal? Like it was yeah. really, really frustrating. And really it, frustrating. It reminded me of like at the beginning of the season when we just couldn't score a goal, like we had so many opportunities and we didn't have as many opportunities tonight. But whenever you do have an opportunity, I mean, Janice was like three yards from the goalie and he couldn't get it in. And it's like, what is happening? Yeah. And honestly, I don't think it's as bad as early in the season because they were getting into those spots versus if you remember early in the season, it was just crosses to nobody and endless nonsense. There was elements of that tonight, but I think overall they still looked more dangerous. They just, their yeah. expected goals weren't as high as they could have been because sometimes they just didn't get a shot when they were in really promising spots. I'm hoping that this is an aberration and not a trend. They have been really good in the three prior games, two wins and a draw on the road at the defense. Ending Supporter Shield and MLS Cup champions and LAFC, they're in the the Champions League finals as well. So like they're really good. And you know, Bawanga said they're the best. Sporting's the best team they played all year. So I think 
they're more that team than the team that showed up tonight. And I just think they were tired. And I I know excuses. Nobody wants to hear freaking excuses. But I think there are some legitimate excuses for why it didn't go the way it went. But they might have lost anyways, because they were not they didn't have the life to to push back and fight. And a little bit that's got to be on PV for not not rotating the squad a little bit. For sure. I think that had they gotten a full week of rest like St. Louis did, they would have had more time to prepare for the game. Like they played on the West Coast on Wednesday, and then they flew home and then they catched a train or a bus or whatever. So it's like they've been traveling while St. Louis has just been, you know, relaxing and being able to study, you know, our players. I don't know how much sporting was able to do the same thing. I guess a good team could overcome all these excuses and that's what makes good teams so but there's always gonna probably aren't a good team <laughs> right exactly. like they, i think they're better i think they're better than their record but i still don't think they're an elite team and you know like like lafc is a great example they played a very congested schedule lately as well they've had all these champions league games and whatnot and they looked like hot fire in their game even though sporting yeah. a man managed to hold it to a draw they they looked really good they looked really dangerous they looked like they could have beat sporting at any time so i i feel like i'm kind of out of st louis takes do you have any other takes on the st louis game just about the game in general just anything related to st louis before we talk yeah about yeah i'll say a couple other things i think i already said remy played his worst game of the season you did. i think daniel shallowy i thought he was probably the best player on the field tonight he was everywhere he really tried to make things happen it just didn't work out i'm glad that they took remy out because and kenda because they both were just getting injured by their the people that were covering him or covering both of them like they were getting fouled constantly so you know Remy hardly ever gets time off he's my favorite player if it, nobody knows this like I I think I've been pretty I, I think everybody player. knows uh you've got yeah. a crush on him you think his baby's <laughs> adorable you have a lady crush on his wife I feel like I, I don't know about all the that time. <laughs> You're always I like, do oh want my you God, to... his, his wife is so pretty. And I'm like, yeah, they're they're making a beautiful they soccer playing baby. Could definitely both be models and their baby probably too. Um, but yeah, so it like really pains me to say that Remy had his worst game of the season tonight. Like well, didn't somebody say to you on Twitter, you cursed him <laughs> saying he wasn't tired and he can run forever. I think I was maybe the one that said he could run forever too. So I still think he can run forever, but maybe five games in 14 days is not just one bridge too far, right? A bridge too far. I think so. Because even if you can run that much, it doesn't make you a good player. Like he was just off tonight. And I think it's, he had to be fatigued. Well, and there's mental exhaustion, right? Even if he can run everywhere, he had, you're right. He had a bunch of like bad touches or he'd just like miss a pass or not. He'd make a run and then he'd stop at the wrong time. And then they'd pass into the space that he didn't run into. And yeah, you just can be mentally worn down. It's, it's been a tough stretch. One happy note is sporting have four of their next five games at home so it's going to be a very critical stretch it's not necessarily an easy stretch there's some tough teams in that run but who it's is going to be the important. next game who are they playing next like who's the next game and i'll say this i was thought that roger espinoza wasn't more physical like i don't want to say i wanted him to punch somebody on the team for st louis but like uh, I- you literally said that while <laughs> we were watching the game <laughs> I said I wouldn't oh. be mad. I don't 
I don't encourage violence, but I wasn't going to be mad if somebody accidentally got a punch by him. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we were a lot of people were joking and others online that basically, you know, if Roger committed these fouls, he'd have been in the book. He probably would have been red carded, right? But the, you asked me what the next games are. So Sporting play at home against Portland. Then they have that midweek FC Dallas game. We're giving the free ticket away too. Uh, then they're on the road at Vancouver and then back home twice in a row for Austin FC, who have been actually really bad this year. And then LAFC again. So a pretty busy coming month that'll take us through june 17th and then back on the road against the galaxy not that you asked me but that that might be the battle for the wooden spoon right there so that could be important depending on how these next few games go not the golden Uh, spoon though Correct. Correct. You know, in all this talking, I did think of one other complaint I want to make about the uh, Sporting KC St. Louis City game is that foul that Logan and Dembe took on the end line. Oh, yeah. Was it Blom, I think is the guy's name, B-L-O-M? He comes in from behind, he gets the ball, and then he rolls over the ankle of Ndembe because he once again scissors his legs in the tackle. He's the one I think that had the the scissoring play on Kinda too. So he should have been in the book already. He wasn't called for a foul. He wasn't called for a foul on this play. Ndembe I thought was going to have to come out of the game. He was really limping for a while after this. It was a really nasty challenge and Tony Miola, who I know he used to play for the Wizards, but he was like the most unbiased person. He was just singing St. Louis's praises all night and just be kind of like not really taking any I mean, excuses for sporting's behavior and or their play, I should say. And he was saying, yeah, that's a red card. Like that should probably be a red card. And he didn't even give a foul. The VAR could have stepped in and asked him to review for a red card. And Pinto is touching his ear at one point, like the VAR is talking to him. So the VAR kind of dropped the ball there too, because they could go back and review it and give a red card. It wasn't going to change the game. It was, you know, three or four to nothing at that point. But it's, yeah. it's the principle of it. Like, you can't let them get away with it. And, and they were getting away with such violent play so early on that it set the tempo for the game. And I tweeted almost immediately in the game that it was favored St. Louis for it to be physical. They play hard and fast and they press high. This is actually how sporting used to play. And people hated sporting and thought they were dirty. St. Louis is playing like old sporting KC that was like MLS Cup champions back in 2013. So it didn't favor sporting for it to be such a violent game. It would have been nice to see sporting be a little more physical because I don't know that I really felt like any of the players were physical. And to me, if your opponent's playing physical, you should at a minimum be matching it. And it wasn't really being matched, maybe at moments players, because obviously we had two yellows. So I don't know. I mean, and I will give props because I heard on Apple TV, Taylor Twelman was not being unbiased with his calling. Granted, I didn't hear it, but that's what I heard. Yeah, but... It, I mean, I thought Nate did a really good job of being unbiased, and I, I'm sure it's hard when you know that these players are fans of certain teams. So I, I think it, it was great that they were able to be unbiased, and at the same time, just slightly frustrating. I wanted to, he- I wanted you wanted them to be a to bit com- more of a homer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted them to commiserate with us just a little yeah. bit. I mean, I guess yeah. that red card that didn't get called was like probably the closest we got. Yeah, before Nate Bukitty was the Sporting KC official play-by-play guy, he used to have season tickets, so obviously he loves Sporting KC and he doesn't hide that in any way. But he, I think this is the third SKC game he's called this year, and I, I feel like he's done a really good job not being a homer to the point some. Someone tweeted at me and said, I'm turning off these FS1 guys. They're such homers. Like they thought they were being homers for St. Louis. And I was like, oh, they're both from Kansas City. All right, Sheena, let's let's move on. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more For the Glory, KC. 
All right, we are back. Now we're going to talk LAFC. We already kind of touched on this game a little bit in the sporting segment, so we'll keep this quick. It was like three days ago. Who can even remember that far back? It's been a freaking busy week. So if you will remember, though, Sheena, it was a 1-1 draw in Los Angeles. It was a pretty wild first half. It was end-to-end stuff. Honestly, LAFC was all over Kansas City. Kansas City had their moments, but ooh, it was it looked scary. I was nervous the whole time thinking, well, they're definitely going to give up a whole bunch of goals. LA did score first. Uh, uh, the goal came with a ball kind of over the top, quick little counter. Fontes got beat. Shocker. Fontes had a terrible game against St. Louis, too. But, you know, he won't go to the bench because Peter likes that guy. Um, and he might still be the best next best option. I'm not sure. But anyways, he got beat. And then uh, Apoku cut the ball back to Bawanga, the aforementioned golden boot leading scorer for LAFC, 10 goals on the season. And he blasted the ball under Kendall McIntosh. So McIntosh, we talked to him after the game. He said, yeah, I, you know, it's essentially I, I should have probably done better with that one. But then after that, McIntosh really stepped up. I thought he played really, really well for the rest of the LAFC game. He made a bunch of key saves. He had a couple key saves in the St. Louis game. You might not think it considering it was 4 nothing, but he stopped a few. It could have been uglier. And... uh Anyways, he played much better. I thought he deserved to start against St. Louis after the the draw against LAFC. But Sporting answered pretty darn fast. Maybe this will spark your... Actually, do you want to talk about the first goal before I talk about the response from Sporting KC? I don't remember the goal. I, I'm pretty sure I remember the second goal, the, or the goal we scored. I'm pretty sure it was Johnny Russell. Johnny Russell, absolutely. Ta- talk us through it, Gina. What did you see on the play? I just remember he had the goal. I don't <laughs> remember anything leading up to it. This is why I'm a casual fan. Like, out of sight, out of mind. That was Wednesday. We just watched a game that I'm still fired up about. So yeah. I will I will say this, that overall, I think McIntosh has played pretty well uh, tonight. Maybe, you know, not his best because he gave up four goals. But, you know, that fourth goal, I don't know how he would have stopped it. It was a beautiful goal by the... I called him the Diego Rubio lookalike. Um, I disagree, but okay. Like if Diego Rubio, Rubio had like facial hair, I don't know. Doesn't maybe he have they facial just hair? Eh, like this guy was more rugged, but maybe <laughs> they had the same hairstyle. I don't know, but uh, you know, so. I don't think completely all of these goals that McIntosh has given up between the two games are entirely his fault. My question for you, Chad, is do you think against Portland, McIntosh is going to get the start? Or do you think they're going to go back to Pools Camp? It's a good question. It seems like Amelia might be out for a while. I guess I don't know what's up with Amelia. Yeah, we haven't gotten an update. Like in the middle of last week before the St. Louis game, Peter told us that uh, Tim had to go for some sort of scans, but then I haven't heard the results of those scans. And let's just hope it's not anything too long term, because as we found out, he's like the seventh highest paid goalkeeper in the league. Probably can yeah. use him out there. As far as who starts against Portland, I think if you want to go back to Pools Camp, you have an excuse, right? John had that game where he gave up four against Seattle, and then he lost his starting job, right? And he hasn't been back as the starter. He did play in the Open Cup, then he gives up a goal against Houston, and then suddenly he's not even on the bench. And Mac. Tosh was ready to come in whenever Amelia went down with his injuries, quad injury. I think we were calling it a hip at the time. We thought it looked like he was grabbing his hip, but I guess it was yeah. his quad. Okay. So I think the excuse is there. I'll be interested to see what direction they go. A lot of people were like, I can't believe we're playing our third string keeper against this team. I think there's a, a dispute as to who's the second string keeper. And Pulse Camp had moments where he was really good this year. He's had moments where he was not so good. I think McIntosh now kind of has the same thing going here. We'll see. I think it'll be a battle. I think it should be a battle, right? It should be... No. 
yeah. how's practice going? Who's performing the best in practice? Who looks the sharpest? And you start that person. I can respect it. with Casey Current, they keep switching their goalies because their coach, Caroline, said that whoever does the best gets to play. So they, the last couple of weeks, have gone back and forth between goalies. And I don't hate that idea because you might as well do something to mix it up if like your goalie is giving up too many goals and you're losing. So I wouldn't hate if Pools Camp came back. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the competition shakes out, I guess. I want to go back, though, because I asked you and your eyes got Sorry. super wide when I said, describe that Johnny Russell goal. <laughs> so if you'll remember, it kind of came out of nothing. Like there was, there was actually a really good passing sequence from Sporting, but Russell wasn't in a good position when he finally received the ball. He was like kind of at the top of the box. And then he just dribbled around four or five LAFC defenders, kind of played it underneath and threw a play player and then underneath the goalkeeper both goalkeepers kind of gave up goals I think they'd like to have back right the goalkeeper looks so upset I think that was LAFC's third string keeper too if I'm not mistaken it was yeah yeah their their starting keeper got hurt in the MLS cup last year and he's a pretty bad injury right so he's not going to be back for a while and Maxime Crepeau and I like to mispronounce or over enunciate these uh, French Canadian names. So <laughs> he is the Canada's uh, goalkeeper. Missed the World Cup. Ah, oh, felt so bad for him for that. But yeah, John McCarthy's their backup. And then I don't even know what this guy's name was, but he gave up a bit of a soft goal. So I thought Russell, though, did a good job. It was a confident play, right? Taking that shot from that angle, putting it in the net. I think that game is a lot more representative of how this team is than the St. Louis game, as we were saying before. Yeah, it. I kind of remember that goal a little bit, and I do remember it kind of came out of nowhere, and it it was a good goal. So since you don't remember the LAFC game, let me try to spark your memory a little bit more. Armando Villarreal was the referee of that game, since I like to do some referee hating. And LAFC were fouling quite a bit in the first half, if you remember. It was a really high-paced game, and I think part of the reason is when you're just flying around the field that fast, you're going to be just a little out of control at times and get fouls. But... To Armando's credit, because I like to give credit where it's due, he started giving some yellow cards and they calmed the F down, right? Like we're, I'm going with harsh letters, y'all. I'm trying not to curse and get my explicit tag, but I'll just go with letters. He, they, he gave some yellows and then they stopped being so reckless because if you keep doing it, you're going to get a second yellow, you're going to get a red, you're going to be sent off and the game is going to play out differently. And then the refs really came through for sporting late in the LAFC game. If you'll remember, Ryan Hollingshead subbed on. Honestly, I think this guy might be the best right back in all of MLS for the last decade. He's so so good and so underrated. Crazy that Dallas traded him to, to LAFC. And he scored a late goal, but it was taken away from the video assistant referee. He flagged down to... Uh, have it reviewed. And the video assistant referee was Jair Marufo, who is like one of the refs I think is used to be one of the worst refs. I haven't seen him on the field in a long time, <laughs> uh, but it came through because I, it, when that goal happened, I was like, well, I'm not even that upset about this result. Two to one loss. They played them really close. Sporting were very competitive, but then they ended up holding on and getting the one, one draw. I'm glad they got the one, one draw because that would make this game against St. Louis even worse. So at least we could be like, instead of us losing six points, we only lost, we only lost five. <laughs> I guess five. We got one point in LA, but it would, would have been a lot better if we had won in LA. But yeah, I mean, it could have easily, if VAR hadn't been called, we could have lost that one too. Now, do you remember, Sheena, at the end of the game against LA, honestly, late for my liking, Vermees finally went to his bench and subbed off Alan Polito and Johnny Russell, and he put on 
Marinos Shanis, and Stephen Afrifa made his MLS debut. He had started in a U.S. Open Cup, but this is his first MLS game. And immediately they had an impact. They were down there. They're dribbling. They're making passes around the box. They end up, honestly, Afrifa should have been more selfish. I think if he shoots back across his body in front of the net, he was in such a good spot. They maybe score. But he tries. He's he's a little unselfish, maybe a little lacking confidence, right? Because he hasn't gotten this. Or maybe he thinks he should play his teammates. I believe he tried to pass to Tommy. I'm going off my memory. I should have rewatched this game or highlights at least. And then somehow Sporting didn't score. I was like, oh my gosh, how did they not score? It looked like they were yeah. going to score like in the dying minutes of the game to win that. That would oh, that would have been huge to your point. That would have been, yeah. Now, I really like Afrifa. I wish that what you were saying earlier with the St. Louis game, that he had started some of the younger guys because I feel like we're starting to see a connection between Afrifa and Janice Marinos. And if anything, wrong, like- as always, Marinos, Janice, we're going to teach <laughs> you eventually. Eventually, I will get it, but today is not that day. But yeah, it would have been nice to see them come out. I guess at some point when it got to 4-0, they brought on, who did they bring on in St. Louis? They took Zussi and Russell off and they brought on Espinoza and... So Jake Davis came on for Zussi, but that was er slightly earlier in the game, maybe like 60th minute or so. And then later on, it was Russell and uh, Russell came off for Janice and... Who came Espinoza. off for Espinosa? I can't even remember. Oh, oh Remy. For Walter. For Remy, yeah, because yeah. he was having a bad game. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen at some point. I, it just would have been great to see some of those younger guys. And it it goes back to, I think, what a lot of fans complain about is that Vermees trusts too much on the older guys. And the younger guys are never going to get to the caliber they need because eventually these older guys are going to retire. And, I mean, maybe, hopefully, soon. But it's like how... How are we going to get better as a team if we're not playing the younger guys more? Like they shouldn't have to be playing in the, yeah, they're not, they shouldn't have to play in the dying minutes of games, you know, so they should be starting kind of how I think it was against LAFC. Zussi came on at the end of the game. He wasn't starting the game. He came on at the end for the dying minutes and Roger's done that. And now more than ever, now that I know how much Roger makes, I feel like he should be out there 15 minutes tops every few weeks. Like he definitely, Definitely shouldn't be out there for as much as he's getting paid. Like, and honestly, I, I probably because San Luis isn't trying that hard at the end of that game. I thought he looked pretty good. He was getting up, he was hustling. He didn't have to play very long, so he could go really hard for his shift. And I thought he made some good passes. He made some good attacking runs, which we don't usually see out of him because he's trying to, re- I think, kind of conserve his energy. I agree with you. Like, let him play at the end of games. Let him kill off games or try to make something happen because he is a pretty creative passer later in his career versus early in his career. He was not so good. He was just a pretty physical guy. And, you know, he, he just. Yeah, box, where was that physicalness? People. Like, I needed the physical Roger tonight in that game. Well, you know, so, he got booked if he made any chance. And that's fine. I mean, we were losing it anyways. Like, I don't know. Yeah. All right. One more thing I need you to talk about from the LAFC game because I don't want to make this another hour and a half podcast. Although kudos to all of you that made it to the end of that one. That was wild. (laughs) Yeah. You guys, uh, thanks. Uh, Like we thought for sure. We just, I think a lot of it is like four people listening by the end, but it wasn't. It was like a huge percentage. It was crazy. Yeah. I'm just like so impressed that you guys want to listen to us talk for this long because I feel like we kind of do this this podcast for us just to vent out our frustrations and talk through it. And I think when it started, we didn't think anyone would listen, maybe a few people. But yeah, I was super 
impressed that you guys wanted to listen to that well, really Shane, I'm long very, one. I'm very pompous. I thought for sure people would want to listen to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't think anyone would want to listen to me because I don't know anything about soccer. I'm getting better. Ah, you're under you're underselling it. You you know a lot more than you give yourself credit for. And I think you bring a unique perspective because it's like so many of us are so deep in the weeds and reading every nerdy article and looking at spreadsheets and nonsense that you bring a, a different perspective, which is what probably most fans have in terms of perspective is like they're they're like mostly paying attention, but they miss things here and there versus like you're, you're missing less, right? Because you know, you need to do a podcast and you want to be prepared. And I think that's the right thing to do, but you, you're underselling it. You're underselling it. Give yourself some credit. Okay. Okay. Well, right. I'm definitely thing- not looking at spreadsheets. I can tell you that I've never looked Gosh. at a sporting spreadsheet. I didn't even know well, that got- was a thing. Oh, I mean, I made them. So <laughs> it's not like they're out there to be had, but you know, guys like myself are like Mike Kuhn has stats that I can't even begin to touch, man. He's got spreadsheets on spreadsheets. Anyways, the thing yeah. I wanted you to talk about, and I can't believe you haven't brought it up before. Is it someone's he- hair? No, but it's in the same ballpark. Peter Vermees's suit in the LAFC. Game. Oh yeah. So at, during the game, which for those people who aren't on Twitter, but listen to our podcast, like I will live tweet the games, which has actually been really beneficial for me because it keeps me in games when I'm not interested in them as much, maybe because they're losing or not playing well. And so I always will give like my halftime thoughts. And on the LAFC game, the half one of my halftime thoughts is I wasn't digging Peter Vermees's brown suit because based on my TV, it looked like it was brown. And then comments came in. I'm not going to say flooding because I don't have that many followers. I mean, there was there were several. There was it wasn't there just was one several. person. Yeah, there was like probably a handful where people were like, no, it's called burgundy. It's called this. Like I got like different variations of like a shade of red or a shade of wine color. And then the next day, I think it was, I got a comment from this account and I was like, oh, this looks like a pretty legit account. And it turns out it's the company who makes the suits for Sporting Kansas City. And they gave me the official name color of the suit, which I don't remember what it was, but I'm assuming you pulled it up, Chad. I have no idea what you're talking about. The name of the suit. This is a stupid story if I can't tell everyone the name of the suit. So no, Sheena, I did not. I don't have it pulled up. What? What is it again? Okay, so the official suit company for Sporting Kansas City, probably going to screw this up, so I apologize, but they're called the... Poloni Garment Company, P-A-O-L-I-N-I, probably saying that wrong, but that's how it's spelled. But they confirmed the suit color that Peter Vermeuse was wearing was Toasted Cabernet, which of course it was some fancy name that is basically burgundy. But yeah, so that was kind of like the fun little part of that game and randomness because on Twitter, I'll just write random things about people's hair or who they look like or what I guess people are wearing. And that was the the fun little tidbit I learned for that night is that Peter Vermees on Wednesday was wearing toasted cabaret or cabernet. Cab- cabernet. Cabernet. <laughs> cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to to be fair to you in the brown thing, I, I maybe it is because I've I've messed with the settings on our television for certain. I watch like Game of Thrones and House of the Dragons, and they're like, oh, you got to set it on whatever mode to make it not look super dark or whatever. So I did that, and maybe that messes with the colors because I did think it looked brown at first too. Yeah, but then 
as we got longer looks at Peter, and I'm going to throw this gif in the show rundown so you guys can go check out the the suit in question. We got that long look at Peter at the end of the game where he's like gesticulating with his hands all wildly and people were putting all kinds of fun comments on that tweet. You could tell that it was like a maroon or a burgundy uh, or on the modern Missouri State University. He yeah, was repping. Was, he was repping for us. Yeah. You know, just going back to this LAFC game and reliving the game through the tweets I wrote, just a couple things is that I don't know if you remember, there was seven minutes of stoppage time at the end of the game. Very nervy seven minutes. Yes, a I thought very, for sure they were going to lose it. And then they almost yeah, won it. Yeah, it was a very nerve-wracking seven minutes of stoppage time. And it was a 1-1 draw, which on the one hand was disappointing, but the draw that night, I felt like it was a win. And I couldn't believe that Sporting Kansas City pulled off a draw. I would have been astonished if they had pulled off a win. So, you know, I think that at the end of the game against the LAFC, I said my faith in this team gets a little stronger each game. I still feel that way. I think maybe, I don't want to say tonight's game against St. Louis has an asterisk to it, but I think that it'll, I'll be able to form a new opinion about the team come Portland just because if it's two bad games in a row, then maybe they're on the downward spiral that Casey Curran is currently, eh, that Casey Curran is having right now. <laughs> I like it's how you so try not hard. to use the word current twice in a row. It is I know, tough, it's it is so tough. tough. But yeah, I mean, hopefully they're not following down that path because it's a, it's a sad one for Casey Curran right now. I agree. So any final thoughts on LAFC before we talk about, or at least I talk about Casey Curran? <sighs> no, I mean... I I think we're good. I think we can move on to the the Casey Current. All right, let's go ahead and do that. So Kansas City Current played Racing Louisville twice. They played them in the Challenge Cup on Wednesday, and then they had a league game on Saturday. Uh, they lost them both. It's really depressing, honestly. Uh, I'm just going to kind of give some quick thoughts. Sheena was like, I barely even remember these games. I'm not sure well, you watched the Challenge Cup I, game with me, to be fair. Yeah, I didn't watch the Wednesday game because our kiddo had soccer, and then I had to make us dinner when we got home. So I'm, I missed that game completely. So I have absolutely no thoughts. I, I I just found out today they lost. So, oh, so hardcore in your <laughs> fandom. So, yeah. I can't believe I didn't tell you. I'm sure I told you. Anyway, I'm sure you did. <laughs> let's real, I'll make it quick then. So, uh, big news Michelle Cooper got her first goal. Now, it's not a league goal, so she'll still get her first league goal later, but she scored early in the Challenge Cup game against Racing Louisville, assisted by fellow first round draft pick Alexis Spanstra. So, that was nice to see. However, it was all downhill from there because after that happened, uh, there was a pretty awful play. Well, honestly, uh, Louisville scored, and then it was taken away for offside. And I was like, okay, the ref raised the flag, didn't go to VAR, nothing like that. But they just, I'm sure they reviewed it to make sure it really was offside. They take it away. The free kick that happens right after that, Sheena, do you remember when we would when I would coach like rec soccer, even just be on the fan, on the sideline, and I would tell the goalkeeper, don't kick it down the middle, kick it to the sides. Like professionals can kick it down the middle, right? Because they can possess the ball. But A.D. Yeah. French, man, she started this game and she had a terrible pass. She passed it straight up the middle right to a Louisville player who then makes a quick pass to Savannah DeMello, who scored immediately. Really nice shot from her, actually. But it's because everybody was out of position. She was like kind of wide open right on the edge of the box there. And she hit it with the outside of her foot. She scores. Then just a few minutes later, she scores again. 
Uh, Louisville's coming up an attack on the, the right side, so the left side of the Casey Currents defense. They send the cross in. Addison Merritt goes to clear it, and just it rolls like feet instead of you know yards or flies or whatever it just doesn't go very far at all right to DeMello again who's just outside the six yard box so very close to the goal and she scores her second and then there is a third goal from Louisville oh this game was terrible Uh, again I think it was Merrick actually again honestly I'm trying to pull from my memory here Uh, she played uh, what I would call a recycled ball on a corner kick so like the corner kick had happened the ball had been cleared Merrick was one of the players back because she had moved to fullback and often teams will keep their fullbacks back on these set pieces and she goes to send a ball in it immediately gets countered right back out and then there was nobody back for the counter because she had stepped up to take that ball. The current did try to make it competitive at the end because Dabinia scored a late goal. Honestly, there should have been a second yellow on this sequence. A player was pulled down by a girl on a red car, but the ball rolled to Dabinia, who dribbled the rest of the way, took a deflected shot, and it went in. However, that was the end of it. If you want to know more about that game, since she didn't watch it, I don't feel like there's much more to talk about. I wrote a whole recap, so go to kcsoccerjournal.com. I broke down my thoughts. I gave some like analysis of the game. And go read that. Join the comments. We don't have as many people talking about the current on there, and people don't listen as much on this part of the podcast, sadly, when we talk about the current, according to the analytics. So we don't talk about them as much, but I want to get more more attention to the current. So let's move and talk about the league game on Saturday. So they came back home. That first game was on the road. I don't know if I said that. They're back home, playing race in Louisville again. And man, it started bad. They gave up two goals pretty quickly. Uh, there was a terrible back pass from Croy Soto. Uh, Cassie Miller is running up to try to clear it and her clearance goes off. Who else? Savannah DeMello again, the scoring all the goals. And the ball deflects off DeMello and just goes in the net. And I was like, oh, my God, you've you got to be kidding me right now. And then on the the subsequent goal, Soto keeps everybody on side on the buildup to the play. She she had a rough game. She's an undrafted rookie that's being asked to start game after game after game. And they're playing a lot of games. So yeah, tough, tough on her. Uh, Louisville goes on and scores the goal. However, there was a super long review after this goal where Paramount oh, yeah. Plus, they show us nothing. They, they're just sitting there and they're like just doing what they always do. They just show the referee, talking to players, touching her ear, listening to the VAR in her ear. And then they restart playing. I'm like, oh, I guess that she wasn't offside. And live, I was like, man, it kind of looked like the pass from DeMello again, by the way, uh, was to a player that was in an offside position. And then many minutes after the play had already resumed, they finally show the replay. And she was offside. The announcers are like, well, her knees definitely passed the other player and you can score with your knee. I was like, yeah, if your arm is offside, it doesn't matter. But if your your leg, your foot or your knee, any part of your body that's not your arm is offside, it's not a goal. Like it, you got to take that away. So once again, VAR and the NWSL, I think, frankly, it's been a failure for me. I, I haven't seen it be used right. I've only watched KC current games, to be fair, and they haven't had anything changed. And this was a botch. So they they were all over Louisville for most of this game. They were far, far and away the better team, but they made two just really horrible defensive plays and it undid them. But you know, what were your thoughts? You actually watched this one. I did, but I was having a hard time staying focused on this game. I was pre-nervous because it was a, a doubleheader with Casey Curran and then the Sporting Kansas City-St. Louis game. So I had 
jitters about the sporting game. My focus was on how nervous I was about the sporting game. So I was only half watching. And then our dog, our little puppy just goes crazy. And so I was having to go outside and get her from barking. So our neighbors don't completely hate us. But yeah, the VAR in NWSL is just so bizarre. It takes so freaking long. I don't understand why it takes them so long. And and then the fact they're not showing replays is just mind-boggling to me because we can't even it almost feels like by the time they give the call I've kind of already forgotten what they were even reviewing cuz it's only a couple minutes but my gosh it feels like forever. Well, and half the time there's these really long reviews and I'm like why what's taking so long? That was so clearly a goal. Nothing happened. And I I, I don't know if they're just inexperienced or what. I give MLS a lot of grief and obviously I crapped on the refs for the St. Louis game and the the VR didn't do as well but generally in mls they're one of the best leagues in the world in my turn in terms of handling var now don't get me wrong the refs make plenty of mistakes they're human they're gonna make mistakes i've always kind of thought it's weird that there's one ref in the center of this massive pitch trying to cover all this ground the the assistant referees can help the fourth official can help obviously the var can flag down for things but i think there could be something to having like a second ref out in the middle that could see it from a different angle you're moving and pivoting because sometimes the ref is just blocked or you know, they're out of position and you, you only can cover so much ground, right? They're running so much. So I do want to give them some credits. I, I will tell you all, whenever I go to my daughter's club games, I'm always very generous to the referees because it's a tough position to be in. They'll make bad calls, but I never, I'm never that person to yell. Actually, back in the day when I was still her coach, we got the sportsmanship award for, for being nice to the referees. I would actually talk to them and be like, oh, this was really good. Well, there was this one little mistake, but hey, I know I, I can't see everything either. And they were always like really respectful and I was respectful of them. So I think that goes a long way. I don't want you to just think I all I hate referees. I, you know, they make mistakes. They're human. I would make mistakes if I was out there too. Frankly, I couldn't be out there because there's so much running. I would never be able to keep up. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to keep up. But I, yeah, the re- the roughing in this game wasn't great either. And then to have back-to-back games with a bad like officiating was frustrating. What, I don't even want to say that it was bad officiating. I think they screwed up the second call. I think they should have taken that goal away. But I think overall the ref was was mostly fine. Like I don't remember there being any other egregious plays. Are there plays standing out to you that you were like, man, they they really no, Ch- there's no. I you don't, don't remember. I, okay, I, <laughs> I don't know. It was know. just hours ago. Okay, okay well, but again, I was only half watching because of my my nerves for the sporting game, which to me was a bigger game. You know, the one thing I'll say is that there was 10,000, I don't know the exact number, but over 10,000 people at the KC Current game, which is awesome. No records were broken, but I I think it's awesome that so many people came out considering there was a sporting game and considering they're losing, they've been on a losing streak. So the one little banter that I got on Twitter, because the game just, I kind of found it to be boring when I was watching. Not a lot was, I didn't think was happening, which Chad is like shaking his head so I must be wrong on my thought process on this but I Chad we were talking about the guy in the blue crew who has like the teal face and the red uh beard and I'm just like so impressed by that because this is like at least the second or third game this season he's been on tv with that epic red beard with full of glitter and I had just like casually commented about how I wonder how long it takes him to get the glitter off of his beard and somebody commented who says he takes it off so he might be leaving yeah so he might be leaving it on uh so there's some mystery there and i'm 
very intrigued by his beard situation. Yeah, it's definitely a look. And I've, I can remember three <laughs> different games. They showed him multiple times during this game. You know, he, yeah, he's drawing did. attention to himself. So For he sure. was, they him signing, I dig it. Yeah, signing that beam that's going up in the new stadium. Yeah. So. Oh, the beam is really cool too. I, I love that. I wish I was, I had been there to sign the beam. I have this like extreme fear of missing out. And I feel like I missed out on that. Like I felt like I missed out on being at the St. Lewis game, but in hindsight, it was better that I was at home. Like it would have been hard to be at God, that what a, game. What a miserable drive home after that, I right? Know. Or, or maybe That's, we just stayed overnight train. and watched SKC versus maybe. or SKC two versus S uh, St. Louis City two on Sunday. Yeah. All right, y'all. So one thing I will last thing I'll talk about on this second current Louisville game is I do think that their offense still looked pretty dang good. Now it stinks they didn't finish their chances, but they had some really good opportunities. They were deep in the box. Honestly, I don't know how they didn't score on some of them. So that's really a mark against them. But I think the offense has the potential to get going. If the offense doesn't get going, this is going to be a miserable season because the defense is going to keep making mistakes. I think when Elizabeth Ball gets back, they're going to be better because you're not going to have two center backs that are rookies or second year or third year players. You're getting a veteran that knows how to play the position. But Ball has made mistakes in the past too. And I just think the offense is hopefully capable of outscoring teams at least. And I thought Cassie Miller played well in goal. Not her fault on the the goal that was given up and she's completely hung out to dry on the second goal. So m- defensive mistakes have undone the team. I was having a good conversation with my colleague, Cindy Lara, who wrote the recap over at KC Soccer Journal about how this team needs to make a trade. I don't know who they need to trade. And I think you're going to have to trade somebody of quality, but we they have a lot of really good players and they don't have a lot of talented center backs. And I don't want to knock on those ladies because I'm sure they're trying really hard, but the results keep showing that they're making mistakes. And something for you to think about, Sheena, maybe for our next episode is who would you be comfortable giving up that's like kind of a big-ish, big-ish star and okay. getting a quality center back in return? Because she floated the name Michelle Cooper, and I was like, absolutely not. You gave up Lynn Williams. Already? Get- yeah, you yeah. gave up Lynn Williams to get Cooper. I just don't see them giving up on the number two pick. Who they're, This is their striker of the future, right? She's their striker yeah. right now and struggling at times, but she's showing good qualities. I think she's going to develop into it. The name I threw out, our dog is actually named after Haley Mace. Oh, Haley Mace. So I really like Haley Mace. I think she's good. But the reason I threw that name out is because she's going to be do a big raise when her contract is up because she's been on the fringe of the U.S. Women's National Team. And second, maybe more importantly, Izzy Rodriguez is her backup. And Izzy is really good and talented. And I think she could step in and play that role versus you're not going to trade somebody that's like a free agent that you just signed. You're not going to trade a... Vanessa DiBernardo or a Morgan Gautreaux if she gets healthy or a Desi Scott in the last year of her contract. Like, I just don't see them doing that to one of those players. So probably not the new signings. It's got to be somebody that's been around for a while. In my mind, you could train dude signings, but Mace is the one that came to mind for me, which I, I, I love Haley. I think she's a great player. And... It'd be a bummer to lose her, but you got to do something to make this defense better and getting a better center back. Maybe Ball will fix it because I think Gabby Robinson's shown real promise next to her. And if she, if those were the only two on the field, then you wouldn't have to worry about the others. They'd just be backups that would play less. I'm going to go ahead and just throw my name into the ring. So for me, it would be 80 French. Ooh, that's a good shout. Yeah, because Cassie Miller, I'd be comfortable with her playing goalkeeper. Yeah. And then they they spent a second round pick on Jordan Silkowitz, their third string keeper. So they, they must have had confidence because teams don't tend to pick goalkeepers that high. Well, I kind of like that. But that would, that'd be tough, though, because they went.
went and traded and got her and brought her back because she's from Salina, Kansas. So she's just down the road, you know. Well, that's hours away. I know. But- um, oh, I know. I've been to Salina, but it it's it would be a bummer, but. She has value. I mean, she was on, she's been on the U.S. women's national team. Cassie Miller's been playing fine. I mean, I would say their, their skill level right now is pretty equivalent. I don't feel like AD French is playing any better. And there's got to be a team. Would anybody give up a good center back to get AD French if she's been struggling? Or do you think maybe that I, motivates France if she gets traded and she's like, I'm going to prove you wrong, Casey, and show you that I'm one of the best in the world still? Yeah, I think it could be that. And I don't know. I don't know enough about any other team to know who would give it up or who needs a goalie. But that's just you told me to consider a name and that's just who came to mind for me. Nothing against her. I think she's great, but I think there's still value in her. And they they just have such a defensive problem right now and kind of what you were saying like the offense looks good but if we're giving up the ball too much like the off unless the offense is scoring like it you there's not much hope for them and they're not really scoring I mean they are but they're not like um at one point they had I think four games in a row where they scored at least two goals this is yeah obviously that streak came to an end today so yeah, which is a bummer. You know, the one play we didn't talk about, what, or maybe you did, and I, it's late, it's super late. It's almost 1 a.m. That's how dedicated we are. But the one or pass, we have a I think, problem, it, maybe, maybe, uh, the one pass that I don't think we talked about was, I think it was Dabinia to Michelle Cooper in the box. And then she did that, that back heeled attempt to shoot and, had it gone into the goal, that would have been amazing. It was said it would have been such a great goal. Yeah, that'd have been goal of the year stuff if that thing went into the yeah. net. I don't even I don't even really hate that she tried it, but then watching the replay, I was like, Yeah, she should probably just step through that and blast that with her right leg. And, you know, if it goes off the keeper, they there was another runner in the box that might have been able to rebound it. But yeah, it was pretty audacious to take that attempt. Yeah. But if it if th- she just trickles it to the back post, it goes in. It just went too close to the keeper. I think it's it. Easy to judge, you know, us as watchers, but when you're in the moment, you don't probably realize like the space you have or the time you have. So I didn't yeah, hate it. Split second decisions. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, I, I mean, wasn't upset about it. Yeah. Imagine if you had to make split second decisions on your job about some, you know, I don't know how to make it equivalent, but you don't want to talk our... about insurance right now. <laughs> Auto <Yeah>. insurance. <laughs> when I think of things I want to talk about at almost 1 a.m., insurance doesn't even rank ever. All right. I think we've beat these games to death. Let's get to the digital crawl. We just got a couple of items for y'all. So it's digital crawl time. We got Daniel Shallowy made the, we're calling it match day of the week, I guess. Match, I don't know. Yeah, he made the bench, right? No, no, he was a starter because of that Minnesota United game because he had scored a goal and assisted on another, if I'm not mistaken. I think maybe even Eric Tommy was on the bench. Somebody else was on there too, but Shallowy made the proper full team of the week for that Minnesota United game. And then the. Yeah, right. And then maybe the big news of the week is Florian Balligan. He is a striker who play. He's he's part of Arsenal, but he's on loan at this team. I think they pronounce it Rams. It's R I. Oh, I already spelled it wrong. R E I M S. It's a French league one team, and he's a 21 year old. He was born in New York. But he's lived in England for a long time, and he's on the English national team. Well, he made the decision and filed his paperwork to do a one-time switch from England 
to the United States. He has scored 19 goals this season in the French First Division, and people are hopeful that this is the striker of now, of the future, that the uh, U.S. men's national team who have struggled to find a, a starting striker, that uh, Florian Balogun is going to be the guy. So I'm hopeful. Yeah, I am hopeful. But that's not even the biggest news of the week. I'm like so offended that you're calling that the big news of the week. The biggest news of the week, Chad, is that MLS has a new team, MLS team, oh. which is San Diego. San Diego is getting an MLS team. I guess you're not as excited about it as I thought. I think it's because we knew it was going to happen for so long. Now, obviously, we official. said, yeah, it's true. The official announcement came through and you're from San Diego. So you got a bias towards that. But yeah, I think that's going to be a great destination to go watch some soccer matches in Snapdragon Stadium where the uh, wave also play. Where you've also drove past it, but you didn't get to look at it as you like to always mention. It's true. I, I was like, Sheena, why are we driving past? She made me go out of the way to drive past the stadium. And I was like, I can't even look. There's so much traffic. I have to watch the road. Like I'm driving at 65 miles an hour or whatever it was. I don't, oh my I don't goodness. Remember. I think it's really exciting. I don't. Okay. So there's a few gripes I have about this team. First of all, there's so many great opportunities for a team name and they're either going with FC San Diego or San Diego FC, according to what I read from the local news outlets in San Diego. I can't think of uh, Channel 8 News. Union Tribune, maybe? No, I got it from one of the news stations that I follow on Facebook because I still follow San Diego News. But so I feel like if they really aren't if they're really going to go with one of those names, that's such a missed opportunity because they could be the San Diego Surfers or I liked the San Diego, oh my gosh, what was it? Wildfire, Di- I believe. Wildfires, yeah. I liked that one. Felt a little dark to me, I got to be honest with you. Considering <laughs> the hill by your mom's house catches on fire like every few seasons, like I don't know. I know, it's not, it is a little dark, but it's also an accurate representation of the city, unfortunately. There could, they could be the San Diego Taco Shop for all I care. Like, that's a terrible crea- name. What are we talking I know. about? I know. Taco it's not shop. the best name. I just came you, up with it. On what? the fly. Wow, really? You didn't you didn't yeah. workshop that one and market it out a little no. bit? You, do you think San Diego's going to be hiring you to do their marketing <laughs> work based on San Diego Taco Shops? <laughs> <laughs> no. Probably not. I'm just saying it's still more creative than San Diego FC. Do we not have enough fill-in-the-blank city FCs in this league? Like, come on. I think that's fair. There is a a recent trend, and Sporting KC may be partially credited for starting this, is changing your names from these traditional American names like the Wizards and switching it to these European-style names like Sporting KC, Real, Salt Lake. San Diego doesn't have to follow that trend. Be a trend sender starter a, san diego a, a sender you're gonna send some trends somewhere <laughs> i'm like <laughs> falling be apart. a transcender no, i can't even say nope, this did it wrong again okay Trendsetter. okay i'm not even gonna Setter. set it i'm not Trend. even gonna say it. i'm just saying there's so many opportunities and i swear to you if they have a boring logo or boring jerseys i'm gonna lose it i'm already losing it at the thought of it like San Diego is a cool city and there's so much opportunity. And if they wasted, I'm going to be pissed. I'm already pissed that they didn't convert the San Diego Loyal into the MLS team, which is pretty crappy because all the owners were from San Diego. Landon Donovan was one of the partial owners. So there's already like issues. I already have issues with this, but don't suck. Like, don't disappoint me. 
San Diego MLS owners. One of them is a, an Indian owner from, I think I told you, Saquon, one of the yeah. Indian reservations. I don't, and the other guy, did you tell me he was from like Israel? Uh, Egypt. He's a Egypt. Mansour. He's an Egyptian billionaire. But he's like, yeah. he's lived in America. I think maybe he was born in America. I can't remember. This is partial information here. But yeah. I, I will say that the loyal thing kind of bummed me out too. I read a story that they approached the loyal and the loyal rejected it. Now, I, I wonder if that's just a half truth or, you know, they, they didn't Why want to sell Why would they reject it? Maybe they, not, not that MLS approached them, but that the ownership group that ended up oh, buying no, the no. team had approached them and they shot it down. Maybe they were having to give up, like sell the team as a part of it. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't see full details. It was kind of, I think it was a tweet uh, to say I read a story. It feels a little strong. <laughs> so. You read two uh, sentences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, I, Loyal is a like, it's a fun name and they have really good jerseys to that point. So I, I think that because the team's going to start playing in 2025, they are not going to have cool jerseys. There's just not enough lead time. If you've ever listened to the Shades of Blue soccer show when they do the podcast with Chad Reynolds, another famous Casey Chad. Uh, he, oh my gosh, the, you're saying you're a, you're a famous I'm Casey like, Chad? Yeah, that was I oversold that. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, he he gives the breakdown of like how long it takes to do a jersey. I guarantee the first couple iterations will be boring, just kind of like. Miami had some boring. Well, I mean, most teams end up like look at St. Louis, who we just played. They have this like weird salmon color jersey. Like, why aren't you red? Isn't red your color? I don't know. Anyways, I'm I'm I'll stop hating on St. Louis. I think it'll probably be boring. The other detail that's probably worth pointing out: the digital crawl is supposed to be fast, and here we are <laughs> doing it for like ten minutes. Is they're paying five hundred million dollars yeah. to get a team, and they don't even own their stadium. Versus like Charlotte was the the most recent team to pay a fee because they. They, they came in before St. Louis, but they were granted a team after St. Louis. They kind of leaped the line, paid $325 million. So the fee went up so, so, so much. And it, I think I looked it up to try to see what were fees like like a decade ago. And Real Salt Lake paid like $7.5 in That's crazy. In 07 or whatever it was. So it's it's kind of wild how quickly they've gone up. Now, that's almost two decades ago. I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly, but... It was like 10 million when Toronto came in, I think. They're just, the numbers are astronomical. So it's, it's crazy. Is the plan at some point for San Diego FC, FC San Diego, whatever boring name they come up with, is it a goal for them to have their own stadium or is it the Aztecs, the Wave, and this new team? They're all sharing one stadium. That's you know? the plan that's been laid out so far is that they're that's all sharing. That's stupid. That's so dumb. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays I mean, out. I guess San Diego doesn't necessarily have the space to keep building stadiums. It's a very congested city. That's fair. There's definitely land and, you know, they, they could find a way when there's enough money, you can find a way, right? You got a billionaire owner in a, in a native American casino behind you. They could put it on money. the tribe. Yeah. yeah or true. On the reservation. Although the reservations are really in the city. It's like, a little far out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited, but they're probably going to screw it up. So I'm just kind of pissed off about it at the same time. All right. So we did a terrible job of going quickly. Last two items in the crawl. I'd like to give you the next games in case we don't have another emergency podcast to let you know. The KC Current will be back in action on Friday, May 26, 7 p.m. They're at home. You can go out there and support them. They're hosting the Houston Dash, who they played and beat in the Challenge Cup earlier this season. So hopefully they can replicate that result. 
And then, as mentioned, Sporting KC are hosting the Portland Timbers. This one's on Sunday, May 28th at 2 p.m. because it's going to be on Big Fox. It's crazy to me that they had them play so many games so close together, and now they're waiting eight days days to do another game. And then they have a midweek game right after that on Wednesday. So they play Sunday, two days off, right back on a Wednesday hosting Dallas. What a Who are these schedule makers? They're out to get Kansas City, Sheena. It's a vast conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. Can I just tell you one thing I saw on Twitter real quick from your friend Daniel Sperry? I guess there was a pool report questions that were put in for the penalty um, in this SKC St. Louis game. Yeah, so this is, to explain this, this means you get to ask the referees questions, but you only get to do it through a pool reporter. You don't get to talk to them directly. It goes to a reporter, then they write down their answers and deliver them back to the media. Yeah, so the question that the pool report question or panel or whatever had is, regarding the penalty kick, what foul did the player number six on Casey commit? The answer is a tripping offense was committed as the defender made contact with the attacker prior to making any contact with the ball. And then the next question is, in review, why did the VAR believe that the threshold for a clear and obvious error was not met? The answer was the VAR confirmed the on-field decision of tripping using the camera angles available. So they will not be overturning that. Well, yeah, you, it's too late now anyways. But. Well, I know, but you know how they like review things like, and they come back like and cards. say... They come back and take cards away, but he wasn't given a card on that. Play, well, so. I was thinking like the 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 refs like have a panel or something, and they oh, the, are you games. talking about like the YouTube thing where they they put out video reviews? Yeah, yeah. So they won't be overturning that if it were to get reviewed by that YouTube thing. Yeah, I, I mean, usually they very rarely admit mistakes. They admitted one in that RSL's SKC game at the end of the 2021 season where there was like a handball in the box that they should have called and they didn't call. And then RSL went on to make the playoffs and the Galaxy were eliminated and Sporting were third instead of first, had huge ramifications. They admitted it was a mistake, but it doesn't change anything. They don't change the results. So I, I did see a freeze frame where it does look like after Rodoya touches the ball, his leg grazes the player but st louis cleaned out guys like took the ball and then killed guys and it wasn't called as a foul so to give that soft pk is again inconsistent what a way to end the podcast inconsistent oh can i just read one more thing a quote from the st louis player who's from kansas city nico gio chinichi Nicholas Nicholas Giacchini, go ahead. Okay, so he was asked about what this game meant as Kansas as a Kansas City native, and he said, I came to this game to do what I do best and take no prisoners. You know, they had a chance to take me on when I was young and they didn't, so it felt pretty good. So he was in that game for revenge, it sounds like. That's so interesting. I'm pretty sure he moved away from Kansas City when he was like eight years old, and I don't think they had an academy back then. So I don't know. Uh, that's that, that's a that's saying. a take. That's a take. Yeah. All right. I mean, okay. they, their I'm team done. existed. Their team existed. All right, y'all. This is insanely long, as as <laughs> is becoming our new norm, I guess. If you've made it this far and you haven't already, be sure to go like and subscribe to the podcast. Give us the five stars. You don't even have to write a review. Just lift it up so that other people find us. 
And if you don't like it, uh, just at me on Twitter at play for 90. You can also find us on Twitter at for the glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter for the glory KC at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, ask us some questions. We might be able to answer them on the pod and let's play you out with Christian Leo. Ride it like a minute. Take care, everybody. Bye. Have a good week.